to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of Dinner Party, Chef Amy Sins. And today in the studio, I have with me a dear friend, Chef Ben Fidelic, who is with Mariner's Restaurant. And he is in Natchitoches, Louisiana. And this is part of our series of get in your car, road trip, and go eat around Louisiana. Thanks for joining me today, Chef Ben. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Well, for my listeners out there, the first time I met Chef Ben was at the Louisiana Seafood Cook-Off a couple of years ago, and I realized that he was not only committed to food, he was committed to the presentation of that food, and his family was just as dedicated to putting beautiful food on a beautiful plate because his wife was driving all over the state trying to find some matching plates, wasn't she? We, yeah, we had we had four plates in the shape of Louisiana and we needed five for the cook-off. So she literally went all over the place trying to find it. I don't think we ever found it. Did we? No, I don't think we did. So we ended up, we got away with serving one on a regular plate and four on the Louisiana plates. Well, and you know, there's something about uh, having a family that is just as committed to the product as you are that really we kind of need that some days right it's it's nice to have a have a support group like that like we've done it i've done the cook-off i've done it with uh my daughter once the the year we did it virtually do you remember that one where we just went into the studio in baton rouge and cooked so she did it with me that year and then my son did it with me this year so it's nice to have uh you know you maybe don't get the obedience you would from a from a sous chef necessarily, but it's fun to have the family there. <laughs> I love that. So, Chef Ben, I have to ask you, you know, was food something that has always been a part of your life? I mean, everybody's got to eat, so food's a part of our life. But actually <laughs> knowing that cooking and and preparing food for others was going to be something you wanted to do? So it was never, it's always been a part of my life, but it was never originally something that I was like, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I took kind of a winding path to get here. So I grew up in Canada, way in, way up in Northern Ontario, and my parents owned a truck stop. So it was a 24 hour, just like you'd imagine, kind of a greasy spoon restaurant. And so I worked every job in that place, probably starting when I was about seven years old. I mean, we worked front of the house, back of the house, you know, uh, gas station part of it yard work, everything. So we did all that. And so from there, I kind of took a little detour and went and worked on Wall Street for six or seven years um, back in the back in the 90s. And uh, and we ended up moving down to Louisiana. And that's kind of where the the cooking trail started was when we moved to Louisiana. So moving from Canada to Louisiana, what were some of the biggest differences you saw in in food? Well, I mean, I think Louisiana is lucky with with the food that we have here and just the influences that we have here. Um, you know, traveling other place, places in the U.S., you just don't get the same flavors and the same food. Like my daughter went up to school in New Hampshire and she had to take a bottle of Tony's with her because nothing was seasoned. You know, like it's just it's a different world outside of Louisiana. I always kind of say that the people in 
in Canada are are very similar as far as hospitality and friendliness and stuff like that. Uh, similar to the people in Louisiana, they just talk a little different, and it's a lot warmer here than it is up there for sure. Well, and it's it's funny you say that because I um, a couple years ago I am interviewed a chef on the show who was from French Nova Scotia. And uh, I joked the whole time that I wouldn't hold it against him that he didn't have Tony's or Louisiana hot sauce or any of that stuff because they weren't necessarily on the same spice trade, right? As South Louisiana was. Not at (laughs) all. Not at all. But it seemed like the passion for food and hospitality, I think it runs deep around the world. And there are people that are just pulled to hospitality because they, in, they enjoy giving that gift to others. You know, what is it about the hospitality industry that, that keeps you going every day? I mean, you've, you've experienced like when you, when you put your heart and soul into a dish uh, and then you serve it and you get that feedback, you know what I mean? That's just like, people are like, wow, man, that was, you know, that was the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. You know, when you get those, it makes all the hours and all the work and all that stuff, it makes that worthwhile. Well, so I know you said you moved down to South Louisiana uh, with your wife and, but you took a little break, didn't you? You did some traveling? Um, we traveled quite a bit. So um, there was one, for instance, I think you're talking about the sailboat trip. So <laughs> yes. That- that story starts that I was I was drunk in a bar in Poland and I was with a cousin of mine and some crazy Polish guys. And when I woke up the next day, I remembered somewhat talking about sailing. And it turns out I'd signed up to get on the sailboat. So these this couple from Poland were doing the Oyster World Rally. So Oyster is the brand of sailboat. And there were about 25 boats that were going around the world. And they would just have different people on for different parts. So they said they needed somebody in january to sail from south africa and i was like well you know we're not so busy in january and i could probably do this so i literally talked to these people talked to them once on the phone and sent one email um slightly exaggerated my sailing resume and bought a one-way ticket to south africa and got on the sailboat and sailed across the atlantic ocean i was gonna ask have you ever sailed prior to then we had we had like a little 19 foot sailboat on Sibley Lake and that was it. I mean, but we you know where there was no wind. So we get on the sailboat the first day because South Africa is like notoriously the worst sailing in the world. So we get on the boat and it's literally 40 knot winds. Like you look off the side of the boat and all you can see is wave. And I'm like, I guess this is what it's going to be like because I had never done blue water sailing before. And two weeks later, it was like glass out there, like no wind. And I was like, OK, we can do this. But I learned a rocket science. Your job on the boat was to help sail, to help cook, to help clean, to do everything. So it was everything like there's there's essentially three different ways you can take a trip like you can you can be essentially a charter guest where you pay to be on the boat and you don't have to do anything. And you can you can be a paid hand where essentially you're paid to be there. You do all the work. You don't get off the boat really when they stop. Or you can just, the way I did it was we just split it three ways. So there were three of us on the boat. We shared expenses. We shared the workload. Um, you know, my watch was midnight to four every night. I was the one on, on deck sailing the boat. Um, but then when we stopped somewhere, because when you do a trip like that, you, you're you on land as much as 
as much as you sail. Like we would sail for a week and then spend a week and a half on some island in the middle of the Atlantic, you know, and see everything and do everything. But we'd all do it together. So it was so really where, quite an experience. Where were some of the places you got to visit? Anything that you just go, one day I'm going back here. This was just amazing. So, absolutely. And and we kind of caught it where there were there were once in a lifetime things going on or once in a year things while we were there. So we went to an island, uh, St. Helena Island, where Napoleon was was exiled to. And I mean, these these are islands that have maybe 2000 people on them. You know, they're almost impossible to get to um, Ascension Island, which is, you know, uh, the one north of there. Uh, there's 450 people that live on the island. There was one flight in. There was a flight once a month while we were there. And other than that, it's a two week trip from South Africa. So it was impossible to get anything there, you know, and these people just they all work for the government there. But while we were there, I mean, the whale sharks were there. So we swam with whale sharks. We had uh, the turtles were laying eggs. So we were out on the beach while the, the sea turtles were laying their eggs, just things that, you know, once in a lifetime stuff that we just happened to be cruising through while it was going on. I love that. There, There's something about that that adventure that kind of it keeps you going you need it every now and then right yeah i mean some of these places are so hard to get to like ascension island you really they've actually closed the airport since i was there so the only way to get there is by boat so there's no tourists like we were the only there were two sailboats there while we were there so there were six of us on the island as tourists and that's it so just wild stuff that you'd never see anywhere else well, did you get to eat in anyone's home or have something that what you've never tasted before or a flavor that was interesting? There was so on Ascension Island they had what was it called? There's a little fruit. It's um dang. There were some things that, you know, were were definitely unique to these islands that we got to try. Um and just the people because they don't have tourists coming in all the time. The people were just amazing. And so we, you know, we did, th did things like we would, we went on this commercial fishing boat and this guy would catch 65 pound tunas. He essentially had like a, a big cane pole. He would slap it at the back of the boat with live bait on it and then just flip these fish over his shoulder into the boat. And so we went on that trip. And then at the end of the day, took a tuna and some lobster back to the boat and cooked it on the boat. You know, like there's nothing, nothing better than seafood that just came out of the water. Did it change at all how you started to approach food in the kitchen, you know, after getting to taste the, the fish that just came out of the water to to see these flavors and, and ingredients that you had not cooked with before? Has that changed how you've cooked? Definitely. Like we 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 definitely focus on ingredients a lot more these days, um, just on the freshness of everything. Um, and it's just. I mean, yeah, it, it also like when we we travel a bunch and we try to take a little piece from everywhere we go. Like it sounds crazy, but we we shape our trips around food like it'll be OK. We can go to this restaurant. We can go to this restaurant. And that's how we travel. We normally buy a flight in a flight out in the first night hotel. And then we just go from there because you never know who you're going to meet, where you're going to go. You know, you could be in France somewhere and they'll say. Hey, hey, you really need to see this thing in Germany. And so, well, okay, let's go because we have no other plans. But we try to bring back little pieces of the of the cuisine and incorporate that into what we do, whether it's at home, whether it's at the restaurant. You know, you just take little pieces and 
you know, as a chef, you don't say you stole it. You just, you'd say, this is my interpretation of uh, somebody else's dish. <laughs> yes, it's your tribute to that experience right. and that dish. Right. Well, whenever you look back on all your travels, are, are there meals that you just say, wow, like this was an experience I'll never forget? And tell me about that. So we um, we were in London. Um, we had done a trip where we hit Wimbledon, the Tour de France, and the British Open all in like a two-week period. So we were in London for Wimbledon, and we're walking around. And Carrie, my wife, had this list of restaurants that she wanted to try. And, I mean, there was one of them that was essentially like trying to get into French laundry. Like reservations were a year out, blah, blah, blah. No chance we're getting in. And we were just walking around London. We happened to walk by it. And she said, let's, let's just go try. And I was looking at her like, there's no way, like, and you know, this isn't going to happen. These places, this place is booked for a year. So we walk in and they let us sit at the bar. So we start ordering some drinks. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, if you want to eat, you can eat. And I mean, this was like a Michelin star restaurant and we're sitting at the bar in our, you know, just street clothes kind of thing. And I mean, they had, they had like a little, it was, I think it was mussels. And so it was served on this, this like, uh, this moss covered rock like the whole dish was probably a foot tall with two tiny little mussels on top like just the the way they did things was unbelievable the food was unbelievable and it was one of those experiences like we never should have been there at all but got to eat at this michelin star and the plants aligned perfectly so that you could have that opportunity right my wife got to say i told you so so it was even better (laughs) <laughs> Better for her, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I will say that, you know, travel and food, it opens up my eyes to new flavors, but there's something about the experience. And no matter where I dine, I may pick up this this one little thing that I thought, wow, that blew me away. And sometimes it's the food, sometimes it's the service. And I had the opportunity to eat at Joel Robichon in Vegas. And it was one of those kinds of things. We never thought we would be able to get in, but I made friends with a waiter at an Italian restaurant while we were on vacation. And he said, my buddy works there, I got you. And there, it was amazing. But what blew me away more than anything was the day I got home from that trip the menu was in my mailbox of everything that I had eaten while I was there. And I thought, this is a little bit of extra. And so now like we yeah. send recipes for everything that our guests eat as like a thank you, because there's something about traveling where you go, I didn't even think about that mm-hmm. or I never considered it. Yeah, I mean, I've had, you know, I've had a million great meals. And I remember like, like, for example, the one in London, the only thing I remember is that little oyster dish. But I know we had seven different things. And if you had that on paper, that would be wow, that's a great move. I love that. I was I was pretty impressed. And uh, they also knew that we were not uh, super, uh, like, super educated at the time on wine. And I gave them a price range for the wine. And the, when we got the bill, I almost hit the floor because I had 
you know, it's Vegas, nothing's, you know, cheap. And so based on other restaurants we had been at, even like a bottle of wine that I could get at Dorniak's at my local grocery was a hundred and something dollars, right? So I gave them between a hundred and three fifty. And when we got the bill, it was a $60 bottle of wine. And the sommelier came and explained to us why he chose that bottle of wine to go with all the food. And he goes, there's tons of wine on this list, but you asked me what paired best. And I felt like this right. paired best. And he explained it. Oh. And I thought, that's also about giving trust to the people. You know, like I trust my servers, I trust my staff, and I trust the staff in other restaurants that they're not going to lead me astray. And and they didn't. They could have totally taken advantage of it. Right. That could have hit you with the $300 bottle that you probably wouldn't have liked as much as you did the $60 bottle. No, I think his tip came out better when I found out that it was only a $60 <laughs> bottle. He probably he got tipped on that $300 bottle because right. that was what we were expecting. Well, so I want to kind of change, change, uh, focus a little bit to the restaurant and, you know, what y'all do and what y'all are cooking there. Um, you know, it's a family owned restaurant and mm-hmm. y'all are cooking all kinds of food. Tell everybody, you know, what you're doing and, and how y'all got started over there. So we, uh, the restaurant's been here. I want to say for 35 years, like it's an institution in Natchitoches and we bought it in 2020. Um, basically it was the middle of the pandemic we had been doing, we had a restaurant in Alexandria, um, that was in, it's in the holiday Inn down there. So it was, it was very, very much based on travel in that area. Um, we were doing a bunch of catering, which just went away during the, the pandemic. Like it, we went from being booked up every weekend to now we have nothing to do. So we decided to buy a restaurant in the middle of all that because um, we needed something to do. But the restaurant here is it's huge. It seats like 325 people, something like that. So our thinking was at the start was we have all this outdoor dining, which was still allowed. We had enough room that we could space out tables, you know, if we needed to with the, the you know, when it first started coming back and you could eat, but you had to be seven feet away from somebody and all that stuff. Um, so we bought it in 2010, redid it. Um, and we essentially have two different restaurants in here. So we have 165 seats of fine dining, which is, you know, all your steaks and the big seafood. And we do, you know, pretty much everything across the board. Um, and then we have a smaller area. It's kind of a bar area and the outside that has a separate menu that's more like fast casual, like the burgers and the wraps and the bar food kind of thing. So you can have two very different experiences in the same building. And so we let people in the, we call it the cove in the bar area. We let people order off the main menu there, just not the other way around. Like you can't sit in fine dining and get a cheeseburger, but you can get the tomahawk steak in the, in the bar, you know? Um, So yeah, we've just been uh, rocking and rolling since 2010 with a little interruption in June of last year when we had a fire and had to completely redo the restaurant. But um, you know, other than that, it's been good. Well, so when you're choosing the menus for the restaurant, is is the whole family involved? Are your do you take insights from staff? Are you just following uh, your heart? How are you figuring out we, what you're going to serve? I mean, it's definitely uh, you know when we first opened, we we had restaurant experience, but 
it was a fast casual restaurant it was nothing like fine dining so we kind of had to reinvent the wheel and relearn it so when we were originally putting the menu together it was definitely days and days at the house you know having family over friends over just trying different dishes and that's kind of how we started it and that's kind of how we we do a lot of these wine dinners and and whiskey dinners and themed dinners <clears throat> and what we'll do is is it's normally small plate stuff and you know the quick stuff but we'll we'll try dishes there that's kind of our our proving ground is we'll serve it to the 40 or 45 people at wine dinner and when you get that feedback that's like wow that's good i mean we we basically print our own menus on on cardstock so that it doesn't really cost us anything to change the menu so we change it quite often just so that we have that flexibility and we can bring in new dishes that we find and a lot of them come from those wine dinners or pantry cooking at the house or whatever well are there any dishes that you've made that you're like okay this is a keeper forever or any that you're like yeah no that one that one did not fly that one didn't work you definitely have some misses like you know you can't you can't make an omelet with without breaking some eggs but i mean there were times when i remember a friend of ours came in and was like, I want, uh, I want some kind of nachos. Can you make me some kind of nachos? And we were like, okay. And we had, a, I think we had a pulled pork nacho on the nacho on the menu, but that's not what he wanted. So we went in and I made, we had a sauce that we used for a different dish that was like a bechamel, like a cream sauce. I added seafood to it and made these seafood nachos. And now, like, it's one of the most popular items on the menu, just because one of our friends was like, I feel like having something different. And I know the chef, so I'm going to get this, you know? <laughs> So you love to hate those people, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, so, you know, you're cooking for friends, you're cooking for family, you're cooking for the community. And I know uh, the community is important to y'all. Is there anything that y'all do to give back to your local community? Um, we do several different things. Like we're involved in, in just about every sports team with every high school in the area. Um, we do a lot with the college with Northwestern as well, as far as, you know, the, the, the baseball team will be on campus and the dining halls closed for spring break. And so we'll, we'll feed them. We'll go over to the college and set up buffets for them and feed them while they're, while they're here and, and the dining halls are closed. Um, we do a lot of stuff with, uh, we do a farm to table dinner every year for, um, the local animal shelter. Um, so we do, you know, we'll have a couple hundred people that we, that we feed. We usually do it at a little plantation in the you know, outside. And so we, we definitely stay involved with, with everything going on in the community. Cause it's such a, such a small town, you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of restaurants in town depend on tourists, you know, Natchez is a big tourist town, but a lot of, I'd say 50% of our business is, is local people. And you've got to have that to, to keep it going year round for sure. And I, you know, I would imagine that those, uh, those customers that are local, they, they're coming back again and again, and they, they become part of that extended family. So you want to take care of them, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I have just, a, probably, we probably have just about five more minutes, but I have to ask you if you were, we're changing, we're changing paths again, because I'm still intrigued by all the, the things you've cooked and all the things you've eaten around the world. So I have to ask you, if you were to sit down and do a meal, a menu of some sort for a dinner party, 
and you really want it to show who you are, what are you putting on the menu of that dinner party? What are you cooking for everybody? Wow, that's a good question. I, it would have to be, I would say, like I'm going to do something that I like to eat, of course. So I'm I'm probably going to be in the surf and turf area. Some take on that, um, you know, like whether it's it's a fillet with with some kind of crazy. Like we've done them with like a, a cherry glaze before, just to take it away from that everyday, you know, this is your filet, boom, here it is. So spice that up a little bit. And I think I'd probably do a sea bass in there because to me, sea bass is one of the best fish in the world. Um, and do some kind of, you know, cream it up, maybe a little, little spinach madeleine underneath that, you know. And then uh, I'd, 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 I'd be in that ballpark in there. That's where I'd start for sure. Well, are you a pastry chef? Are you going to give us dessert? I, you know, I'm not a big design. I'm not a pastry chef. I do do desserts, but they're, they're, they're not the prettiest in the world. I wouldn't say, uh, but like if I go out to eat uh, and, and they have it on the menu, I'm going to get the creme brulee. So I'll make one of those for sure. And the key lime pie is definitely my two. If I'm going to get dessert. That's what I'm going to get. Okay. So key lime pie, let's ask this question. Do you want it super, super cold or do you want it room temperature? Cold. Got to be cold. I, so my, yeah, I like it my, cold. My, too. My, my daughter and I went to Key West a few years ago to do some diving and we made it our mission to find the best key lime pie in, in Key West. And I think we had 14 different ones. And the one that we thought the best was from like a Publix grocery store. <laughs> if you can believe it. It was probably the one with the extra condensed milk and the, and the extra key lime, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and you never we know. <laughs> well, have you ever taken an adventure where you went and tried to have the best of anything else somewhere? Um, my wife and I did it in New Orleans trying to find the best Tim's cup. That one didn't work out quite well, but... Uh... But I think we ended up at Carousel was probably the best one because they they muddled it and it, but it was it was a long night of trying Pim's cups all over New Orleans. Well, I'm gonna have to uh, tell Chef Natasha when we take our trip, we're gonna channel our inner Chef Ben, and every time we go to a town, we're gonna find the best of something, and then I'll have to report yeah. back to you. But because you'll be in France, right? That's where y'all are going. Yes, yes, oh, we yeah. are going to Germany and France. So. Uh, I will, I will, uh, report back and, uh, probably have put on 10 pounds. <laughs> well, so we're pretty much out of time, but I have to have you tell everybody how they can find you, how they can book a reservation and, uh, where y'all are located so they can find out more. Okay. So we're in Natchitoches, Louisiana, um, right on Sibley Lake. It's www.marinersrestaurant.com. And I think there's a little widget or something on there that goes to open table to make reservations. Um, and we're obviously on open table. Um, and that's probably the easiest way to get to us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. And that's where you see all the stuff about the upcoming wine classes, whiskey dinners, all that good stuff. Fabulous. For my listeners out there, you've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of Dinner Party, Chef Amy Sins. I want to send a special thank you out to Chef Ben Fidelic of Mariner's Restaurant. Y'all go out there, y'all go eat, see Louisiana, and enjoy all that it has to offer. Thanks for joining me today, Chef Ben. Thank you, Amy. 
for everyone else. Until next time, ciao.